Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb, available at Walgreens. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. The Large Nerdron Collider Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky stuff happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about it. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is We Don't Talk About Jonathan Strickland. <laughs> I'm super. Thanks for asking. Oh, <laughs> man. No, actually, I like talking about you. You're my friend, and I'm very proud of your accomplishments. <laughs> Before we started recording, we were in a deep discussion about the Oscar uh, broadcast version of We Don't Talk About Bruno, which uh, fittingly we will not be talking about in this podcast. But before we start talking <laughs> and not talking about things, I have a question for you, Ariel. Okay, this week's question is a multiverse portal opens up. Who do you hope comes through the portal? So if I think about this too hard, I'm going to change my answer too many times. So I'm just going to say Doctor Who, like the ninth Doctor, Doctor Who, like the Christopher <laughs> the Eccleston, Christopher Doctor, Eccleston Who. Doctor Who. <laughs> but not Christopher Eccleston, the Christopher Eccleston Doctor Who, number nine. Yeah. That's who I want to come through. Um, still one of my favorite two-parters of Doctor Who ever, which is uh, The Empty Child in the Doctor Dances. There's tons of like real people or fictional people I would love to meet, you know, but um, I think that's like, that's the, that's the one. It appeals to my whisked away by a impish character, Peter Pan complex thing. Uh, which Ariel has had ever since I, I met her, which was. It's true. Uh, it's true. Which is more than 20 years ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought about like maybe saying like Madeline Kahn, but she's passed away and like I'm worried that like, you know, along genie rules, if you're not very specific, I'd get like a zombie Madeline Kahn and that would be a lot less fun. I mean, it is multiverse, so yeah, multi multiverse could, could include could include a zombie verse because that, that we've seen true. that with the MCU. Anyhow, who is your favorite character, Jonathan? Oh no, the person I would want to come through that multi multiverse portal? That that there would be Captain America. Because I, I think we could really use like a, a a hero with a strong sort of moral center. And it would be nice to have America's ass be something that I don't mind looking at. 
<laughs> I like it. That's clever. That's cl- no, that's clever. And I, I can't argue. Um, I can't argue. But like, okay, so like the comic version or the Chris Evan version or really just any version. I mean, it would have to be it would have to be one of the versions, one of the versions where Captain America comes across as having like that super firm uh, moral center where he's determined to do the right thing (laughs) that he listens. Like it has to be that one. It cannot be like like a nougatty center. No, Um, but it has to be that one. It can't be like the Captain America in the more like one of the more recent runs where he appears to be a, uh, a a servant of Hydra. Like, I don't want, like, I get that that became a long con type thing, but I don't want that Captain America. You see, I just thought you were like saying like a super firm butt is what I thought well, you were going to say. Chris Evans definitely falls into that category from what I understand. So let's just I mean, say it's the Chris Evans one. I don't. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know. I've not seen the dude's butt. I've only seen a costume. Okay, uh, moving on. We are going to talk about some fun news. We decided we weren't going to talk about the Oscars this week, but then there was kind of a tangential story that we couldn't resist. Yeah, so obviously all y'all out there know all about the slap because that became news as soon as it happened. And we we knew that this would not be the right place for us to chat about it for one thing. We record on Tuesdays and we publish on Thursdays, which means that there can be other things that develop between when we record and when it publishes that make our takes, which are already not necessary, even more out of date. However, the tangential news is really cool, which is that we found out that Troy Coetzer, the uh, actor, the deaf actor who won an Academy Award for his performance in CODA, also played a role in the Star Wars universe that we weren't aware of until this week. Yeah, he played a Tusken Raider on The Mandalorian. And he helped develop their sign language. So um, when when you get to the point in like the book of Boba Fett, where Boba Fett is learning the sign language of the Sand People, uh, that's a language that was in part created by Troy Kutzer. And I'm like, that's that's fantastic. It gives like some legitimacy to the language. Uh, one of the things I always wonder about science fiction in general and the Star Wars universe in particular is how much actual structure is there to the fictional languages? Like, are there actual rules and grammar and vocabulary in place or is it just, you know, babbling for most of the the alien races. I honestly don't know the answer to that, but for this, we know that there's some legit like language behind it. Yeah, I mean it seems like a lot of the languages that have really picked up uh do have some rules if you look at Klingon or I guess High Valerian is the one from Game of Thrones. I mean, you can do those courses on Duolingo. So, they obviously have some sort of grammatical rules. Um Yeah, I don't know so much I, about I Jawas like, though. Like I know Houtini no. and that's about it. <laughs> uh, people will say that there's grammatical rules for that or Iwakis. Um, you know, I, I know that you, you're a huge ring of the uh, fan of, the, you're a huge ring of the Lord of the Rings. You're a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and, um, like I, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of Tolkien <laughs> was very, very detailed in everything. So I'm sure that his languages yeah. are legit. Well, he actually was a linguist. So he came to, writing from the perspective of someone who studied and loves languages. So all his languages do have their own rules and vocabulary. So yeah, that's, that's definitely the case there. Yeah. But I love this. And especially because uh, Mr. Kotzer said he did not want it to be ASL. So he created a completely new sign language. And I, I just have been really loving the prevalence of deaf characters and signing in television shows and movies lately. Um, It's always something that's, uh, been interesting to me. It's never something that I've I've learned as fluently as I wanted, but uh, I it thrilled me when the Tuscan Raiders signed to each other to communicate. That's just amazing. Yeah, no, it's great to see more representation of these sorts of of uh, uh, cultures, even when they're the fictional versions of them. And like you say, we've seen mm-hmm. more depictions with with uh, deaf characters often. Uh, with uh, 
deaf or hard of hearing actors place in the roles. And obviously Mm -hmm. the more we see of that, of people who come from that actual kind of experience representing it on screen, the better so that you have, Mm -hmm. you know, a legitimate authentic representation and not just someone who's trying to copy it. Yeah. Like I'm super excited for echo to come out. Um, That actress is actually deaf. She teaches children sign language and she's also an amputee. So like just, so much uh coolness there yeah um something something that i don't know it it was less cool to me but maybe it wasn't to you jonathan is this deleted scene that's been released of the joker from the batman yes now i still have not seen the batman but i've had something spoiled for me like the fact that the joker shows up in it um briefly Mm -hmm. at the end but the Joker originally was going to have a longer sequence. It's like a five minute scene that was cut. And the the uh, context is that the Batman had previously encountered the Joker or a man who is becoming the Joker. He's in the process of becoming that character, but isn't fully the Joker yet. And that man is incarcerated at Arkham. The Batman goes to visit him in an effort to get his perspective on the Riddler case. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this wasn't so much the idea of this version of the Joker appearing up in the Batman. I thought it was an interesting version, very disturbing, uh, but that I thought this was yet another example of the Batman wearing its uh, inspiration on its sleeve, because I think anyone who's seen the movies can tell you that Matt Reeves must have drawn a lot of inspiration from Zodiac because the Riddler mm. looks and behaves a lot like Zodiac. Uh, he must have drawn a lot of inspiration from Seven and he must have drawn a lot of inspiration from Silence of the Lambs because the sequence where the Batman goes to interview the Joker feels an awful lot like Jodie Foster's character going to talk to Hannibal uh-huh. Lecter. <laughs> Yeah, so so I did see the Batman. Um uh and in in the movie since we've talked about the Joker does show up. It's it feels very inconsequential to me when he does yeah. in the movie. Um and like which is fine. The problem is I love Silence of the Lambs. I think it's a fantastic movie. It's not it's it's a psychological thriller. Like, it's scary, but it's not gory. It's not saw, And it has the potential to be. Um, but I really like that movie. Seven, I haven't watched all the way through because, of course, it's very scary to me and Zodiac the same. Those movies are all very frightening and gripping. And I just found the Batman very, very slow. Mm. Like, it had good concepts, but everything was executed so slowly that even the Saw-like moments that they show in the trailers... By the time anything actually happened, I was so resigned to it happening that it didn't give me any sort of adrenaline rush whatsoever, which I yeah. think it didn't give me any sort of like feeling, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, and and since I haven't seen it, obviously, I don't have a reaction to it. It was more about me looking at the materials that I have seen and saying, I don't think I've seen a movie like this where I was so able to recognize the influences like this, mm-hmm. like it doesn't hide it, right? Like you watch this and you think, well, anyone who's seen Zodiac is going to recognize that influence on the Riddler. Anyone who's yeah. seen silence of the lambs is going to recognize the influence on that deleted Joker sequence. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you don't have to have gone to film school in order to recognize that, which is often the case. Like I'll watch videos where people are are deconstructing a scene in a movie and they start listing out the influences. And most of the time I'm like, mm-hmm. huh, never knew that. This one, I'm like, huh, anyone would know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, It is interesting that, you know, they say that this is Batman's early days, which is obvious in the movie, and that it's it's kind of like an origin tale for the rogues gallery, except for. When my husband and I watched this deleted scene, having seen the movie, it feels like that's an origin story we'd want to see. And this scene makes it feel like they've skipped it a little bit. Like they've skipped the interesting bits leading up to this point. Yeah. The commentary I've seen is that 
he's not the Joker yet. He has fallen into the acid, which explains his appearance and his deformities, but he hasn't adopted the Joker persona yet. But yeah, I agree. Like you're, you're missing out on, I mean, there, the, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because on the one hand, we've seen a lot of origin stories for characters where do we need to see yet another one for that same character? But when it Mm -hmm. comes to the Joker, I think the only origin story we have is the, the Tim Burton Batman film. Um, and all the others Joker just shows up already a fully formed character. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in the Heath Ledger version, Batman begins, is that it? Anyhow, the Joker that Heath Ledger played, he talks about his origin story, but much like Joker in the comics, it always changes. So I feel yeah. like I feel like unlike any other character, albeit he's a very demented character and I often don't like his origin stories, like there is so much material to go with that uh I it's not like watching Uncle Ben die in Spider-Man for the tenth time. He can always have a new Joker origin story. Yeah. I should also add that I, I clearly left out Joker, which is another movie that gives us a Joker origin story that I forgot about. I heard a theory that that was not the actual Joker, but someone who is inspired by the Joker. Um, but I haven't watched it. I heard it was. No, too it's no, nah, it's it's a movie to me. That's just it's just another separate. Like it's it's like an offshoot kind of tale about a character who appears in in mm-hmm. DC films but not meant to be part of the overall universe. Well, we've got a lot more stories to cover, so we're going to have a double news segment in this episode. Before we get to that, let's take our a quick break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com Hey guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther 
than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Okay, we're back, and we have one more piece of superhero news before we go on to some other interesting sort of stuff, uh, and that's that Sharon Stone is going to be in Blue, the Blue Beetle movie that's coming out. It's one of yeah. the DC movies I'm actually really excited about. <laughs> she's going to be a bad guy. We don't know which bad guy, but she's going to be apparently the uh, primary villain. Victoria Cord, who's, oh. I think, new. She's a new villain. It's a, Oh, yeah. I somehow missed that when I read through that the news item. I looked through the whole thing and like, I guess we just don't know yet, but I, I stand corrected. Yeah. Uh, from The Hollywood Reporter, Stone, whose character Victoria Cord is a new creation for the film, previously gotcha. journeyed into the realm of DC with the role in the ill-fated 2004 <laughs> Halle Berry film Catwoman. Which See, that's why, that's that why I don't remember movie. reading it, because my, my brain rejected everything once I saw Halle Berry <laughs> Catwoman. <laughs> Yeah. So we haven't heard a whole lot about Blue Beetle thus far, far other than uh, Zolo Maranduena um, Enya. Um, I didn't look up how to pronounce his last name before we came on the show. I'm so, so sorry. Uh, that's bad on my part. He was, he was, he's the main character in Cobra Kai. One of the main characters is playing Blue mm. Beetle. But uh, just Blue Beetle is a fun character. The, the, um, aesthetic that they've gone for it is kind of like neon blade runnery and i'm i like that change from the um from like the justice league dark 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 yeah, dark shades dark. of gray and brown yeah see the, the sepia league um yeah 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 i i am a blue beetle fan from the justice league international days where the stories were really kind of zany. He and Booster Gold would get up to all sorts of shenanigans. Um, I don't know if the movie will go quite that silly as the comics, but if it does, uh, I'm totally on board. I would love to get a Booster Gold in there. That would be great. Um, I'm really hoping that the the Batgirl series and this, that they all kind of take a new, and Supergirl, that they all take kind of like a new, more young, younger, hipper, upbeat sort of a, a take from what we've gotten thus far. Um, also, I've got a, like a new appreciation for Sh Sharon Stone. I recently finished Murderville on Netflix, and she is hilarious. Oh, I kind of once she got that. past her denying phase. <laughs> That's on my list of uh, of things I have to watch, but I've been stuck on uh, Our Flag Means Death, and I haven't haven't finished that yet. So, are you enjoying that? Because I know the first episode left you wanting a little bit. I'll say that the first two episodes, I was like, I'm not sure about this. Like, I, 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 I enjoy the humor, but I feel like it's not going far enough. It's not hitting me. It's not hitting my funny bone the way what we do in the shadows does. Then the third episode hit and it turned around for me. And the fourth episode, I was a huge fan. Like the fourth episode, that was where I was like, okay. Okay, they were just doing kind of a slow build. Like, it was still funny. There are plenty of jokes, but it was kind of a slow build into the story. And by episode four, I thought, all right, I'm on, to use a pun, I'm on board the rest of the way. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, I was waiting to hear your thoughts on it before I tried it, but I'm definitely going to add that to my short list of things to try. I enjoyed Murderville. Um they definitely go to some like blue base humor here and there, but overall it was quite enjoyable and fun. Um, especially having come from an improv background and, and seeing, seeing the things that they do. So, um, yeah, I look forward it to it. Something else I look forward to is getting, uh, a Dolly Parton vehicle, whether it's a, a stage musical or a movie musical, because she's expressed interest in having that become a thing and, in fact, was actively working on creating a stage musical 
uh, before COVID, but she she fully admits that you know she's it's a difficult thing to do, and she had not uh, completed it to her satisfaction, and now is thinking it might be better as a movie, and she even has someone in mind to play herself, which is Kristen Chenoweth, which I understand, but at the same time, Kristen Chenoweth is usually when people cast other actors as themselves in a movie, which apparently Nick Cage wanted to do for the unbearable weight of immense talent or whatever it is as well, but they didn't go for it. You usually cast a younger actor so they can portray young you, and then you age them up to portray older you. Kristen Chenoweth is a gorgeous, talented lady, but she is definitely older. So I don't know if she could play young Dolly Parton well. (laughs) I I mean, but I don't like, I don't think she could play rhinestone era Dolly Parton. Yeah, um, CGI can which, do amazing things. Have you seen Morbius? I mean, come on. <laughs> I know, and I don't plan on it. Hold on. So Dolly Parton's 76, and Kristen. Kristen. This is happening you guys live. All like, yes, you guys. Oh, this is this is gripping, gripping uh, audio. She's 53. So she is, you know, twenty almost 20 years younger. But again, maybe Dolly's just starting with her her more adult years. I really like the woman. I am um, Dolly Parton. I, I also would be looking forward to this. I would love to see who they'd cast, uh, assuming that they do the era where she was doing lots of collaborations. I'd love to see who they'd cast as Linda Ronstadt because, uh, they were very close and were, did, did several albums together. And, um, I think that could be a really interesting part. Although I mean, her, her life, has had so much in it that it's kind of hard to pick and choose which bits you want to highlight in a biopic. So uh, honestly, it's it's interesting to think about. I'm very curious what she views as being the pivotal moments of her life because she's famously self-deprecating, very humble, um, makes lots of jokes at her own expense, and she does so much community outreach work that I yeah. wonder, like, like how does someone who's like that, who, you know, from from at least everything I've heard, uh, is not the kind of person to put herself out there in that way, what story does she tell? And that really is what fascinates me. Yeah, yeah. If they were to cast Linda Ronstadt, I would think that it would either be Mila Kunitz, if they're going to cast from actors I know, as opposed to somebody new. Mila Kunitz, Valerie Curry, who is Dot in the latest version of The Tick for Amazon Prime, or the girl who um, who's kind of young, but she was in CODA, and she was also uh, the, the main daughter in um, Lock and Key, because she kind of looks like her, but she's a little young to be playing against Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. Some choices. It's a, it's a tough call because she's such a powerhouse singer too, Linda Ronstadt, or she was. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. Because you know, once once she she got ill, that kind of part of her life was over. But a phenomenal singer. Um, yeah, I, I am very curious about this, and of course, I love I love Dolly Parton, so that's why we had to include this one in our geeky podcast. <laughs> Yes, uh, uh, she does so much good work. I, I love her too. Something else we both loved, I think, is the Good Omens TV show that Amazon Prime also did. Sure um, did. Yeah, and we know they're getting a season two, which I think at first was not the plan. And now Neil Gaiman is maybe teasing a season three as well, which... What? We don't even have season two yet. Right. They've shot season two, but they haven't released it. And there is no release date as of yet when that will come out. Uh, As as you say, Ariel, it was a surprise that we even got a season two because season one, uh, we just thought was just going to be a miniseries, not a season that Mm -hmm. it was literally an adaptation of the book, which has an ending. And that's where the miniseries ended. And so there's and in fact, you, we got a little extra material in the miniseries. There was some stuff that was added in that was not in the book that was adorable. Um, mm-hmm. But there was no expectation for continuation of the story. And then to our surprise and delight, we found out we were getting it. And now someone has essentially sent a message on Twitter to Neil Gaiman saying, what are the chances that you have enough material to do a season three? And he says, the chances are very, very good. 
And uh, I don't know how many people out there are familiar with the way Neil Gaiman communicates, but he's the kind of guy who, if you asked him, will there be another season and there was no chance, he would straight up tell you that. You think? Oh, yeah. No, Neil Gaiman is the kind of person who would say, like, we've told the story we wanted to tell and it's time to turn to other things. He's not the kind of person to push for sequels uh, if he doesn't think there's more story to tell. And in fact, he is he has expressly done the opposite where he said, no, that story is told and anything beyond that is best left up to each individual person rather than, yeah. you know, forcing another sequel. Which I do appreciate because initially I thought not being as familiar with Neil Gaiman, I initially thought that maybe he just didn't want to detract from the excitement of season two. Um, but the article on Screen Rant seems to think that they might pull from ideas that Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman had for another book that never got published, uh, which is very exciting. Yeah, that's always odd to me where authors take work that it, it may be completely unconnected originally to uh, to a, a work and then adapt it so that it becomes a sequel. Uh, I imagine that's got to be very challenging to do in a way where it feels like a natural fit. Yeah. I would agree, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I do look forward to watching season two and season three, if it actually ever comes out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And also well, Sandman, which is being worked on. So, yes, that'll be a Netflix series that I'm excited to see. One last thing I want to talk about with you, Ariel. That's the trailer okay. for Duel. D-U-A-L. Yes. Uh, are are so you sure? A, because uh, I watched this trailer, Jonathan. <laughs> Did you? Uh, that's exciting because it looks like like it looks like my cup of tea. I don't know how you feel about it. It is a science fiction, dark comedy concept, and it's it's a, a strange one. Uh, it's set in a world where it's like a near future where human cloning has become a thing. And apparently mm -hmm. there is now kind of a cultural acceptance at the thought of buying yourself a clone. Let's say that you get um, diagnosed with a terminal illness. You can purchase a clone of yourself to take your place after you pass away, presumably to ease everybody else, like to, to, so that there's like an unbroken experience for all the loved ones in your life, even though you yourself will be dead. This is not a case of, you having your brain scooped out and put into a clone body, mm -hmm. you will still be gone. Yeah. And in the trailer, the woman, Karen Gillan, who finds out she's going to die and buys a clone, then finds out that she isn't going to die. And this is why I said, are you sure it's D-U-A-L? Because then uh, the rule is, apparently, by the people who make the rules in this world, that you can't have a, the person and the clone alive. And so there has to be a battle to the death, a D-U-E-L. Yes. Um and uh, uh, it, it, looks, it looks so good. <laughs> it looks really dark, like dark comedic. Like it's not dark as in like dark and gritty, but like, I mean, that's a pretty heavy concept, right? This idea of you have to mm -hmm. fight yourself to the death because society says you, there can't be two of you because, and I quote the, the trailer here, that would be weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it does look dark. It also looks funny. It gives me vibes of like Asimov or Heinlein or any of like the the science fiction writers I grew up on just because they they did have like really dark premises and really engaging stories. Um, so. it, yeah, I, I get serious Heinlein vibes off this. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And not just yeah, because so, we are both in All You Zombies, which is, which is a woman who a falls in love premise. with herself and has her own baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, a person who falls in love with themselves and has a baby. Spoiler alert. Every character in All You Zombies is the same person. Every single character. Yeah. It's just the same person yeah. in different parts of a timeline that all get mixed up into a paradox. Um, what if this movie is you, actually you All You Zombies and they just <laughs> didn't want to ruin Ruin the story with the title. I, it seems pretty different to me, but yeah, we'll have to check it out. I am looking <laughs> forward to that. Something else I'm looking forward yes. to in the very near future is our mashups. When we come back, we'll explain what we picked and why. But first, let's take a quick break.
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Okay, Ariel. Uh, one yes. of the two things we picked to, to mash up today uh, is Morbius because... We're starting to hear early reports of uh, of reviews of Morbius that are, let us say, a bit critical. Uh, and by the time this episode comes out, the movie will be out the following day. It's it's release date is April first, um, <laughs> and yeah, early word has not been positive. No, it's it's been like it's not even like so so like Eternals. It's just the movie has been panned. This is one of those times where not being able to see the tomato rating ahead of time is probably, I don't even know if it would help um, on Rotten Tomatoes because of how much this movie has, it's gone around that this movie isn't good. It's just yeah. apparently has suffered from bad edits, bad writing, bad ties bad to CGI. other movies, bad CGI. I've talked about this before. Jared Leto might be perfectly fine, but I don't care for his version of method acting. Um, yeah, let's let's say that he's controversial. And leave it at that. Yeah. Also, I mean, it's it's the first time I've seen people specifically call out mid credits and post credits scenes as being equally bad or in some cases yeah. worse. Yeah, that's like 10 seconds you need to make good. It's 
That's that's the astounding bit to me because I do like the other the other bits that have been in the Sony universe. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised that the the credits are not liked, um, and I'm saddened by it. But the other um, item we picked, we picked specifically because of a character who has a name that sounds like Morbius. And then Ariel remembered that we also could have added Loki in here and had Mobius in the mix, but we were talking about the matrix with Morpheus. Uh, But we also have another news item that plays into this because one of the news items that we considered covering in the beginning was that there's word that Marvel is developing a project about the the comic book character Nova, whether it's a mini series or a movie, we don't know. And Ariel, what did you say? I said, I was sure that we knew that they were working on a Nova story. Like I thought we got that news after guardians of the galaxy Two, maybe when Disney did their giant pre D plus, uh, event on everything, Marvel, everything, star Wars, everything, Willow, everything, everything else that we are getting on Disney plus. Like I thought for sure Nova was in the mix. Like, I thought it was Echo and Nova, and then there was one other who I can't remember at the moment. So apparently I am just, I'm in the Matrix and I'm glitching. Um. Yeah, the little black cat is is crossing her path over and over again. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe you were thinking of Warlock because he was in, well, he's referenced no. in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but. No, like I was thinking of like the helmet, like with the red half star on it. Yeah, well, um, uh, so we're not going to talk about Nova, but we are going to talk about the Matrix and mash those up. Yes. And um, who would you like to go first, Ariel? I will go first because mine's shorter. Uh, real quick, if you aren't familiar with uh, Morbius, he gets a blood disease. And then if you haven't watched the trailers, he injects himself with bat something and then he becomes a vampire. A living we've talked vampire. About a living vampire. And we talked about... Um, We've talked about the matrix enough that you can just go back and watch one of our other episodes if you want. Uh, yeah, sorry or, if you're you know, clicking. Just just open your eyes because that those cultural references are everywhere. Yes, yes. The title is nothing to do with my mashup, but it's called All Aboard the Morphbius Strip. <laughs> <laughs> like a Mobius strip. Mainly because I almost wrote Mobius instead of Morpheus at the beginning. Okay. So one day, Morpheus was in the Matrix trying to find the one and fighting machines and all of that stuff that he normally did when he encountered a glitch that he never had before. And by that, I mean Agent Smith bit him. Morpheus was confused by this seemingly non-lethal attack, but seemed no worse for wear after escaping the agent and went about his task of finding the one. As he searched, he started feeling sick, but he didn't let it deter him. Surely it was just nerves from the oddity of being bitten by an agent. Once his target was acquired, he pulled out the normal red and blue pill to offer the potential savior, but this time there was a third pill that appeared in his hand, and this one was pale with a dark liquid inside. Between feeling sick and this new pill variant, Morpheus couldn't take it anymore. He quickly had Tank pull him out of the Matrix, but when he came to aboard the Nebuchadnezzar, he realized he still had three pills in his hand. Tank said, uh, you don't look so good, are you okay? And Morpheus said, yeah, of course, and he quickly pocketed the pills and dashed to his bunk. That night, when the rest of the crew was asleep and the ship was docked in Zion, Morpheus sat awake in his bunk, eyes hurting from the fluorescent light of the room, staring at this new pill. Wondering if maybe this third option was better than reality or life in the Matrix. It would have to be, wouldn't it? Uh, Maybe it was just the feverishness talking. Morpheus pocketed the pill again, and in the morning, when he wasn't looking or feeling better, he was taken to a doctor in Zion who was able to determine that Morpheus had acquired a nanite blood disease from Agent Smith's bite. And sadly, there was no cure, and Morpheus was sent back to his bunk to rest. However, when he got there, that's not what he did. Instead, now with nothing to lose, Morpheus pulled out the third sickly-looking pill and downed it. He instantly felt better, and not just like not sick, but fully better, better than he had ever been before. His hearing was better. He had quicker than normal reflexes, which his reflexes were already pretty good. I mean, it was Morpheus. And that's as far as he got before he passed out. When he came to, he wasn't in Zion and he wasn't on the Nebuchadnezzar. He thought maybe he was in the Matrix, but something seemed different. He was in New York City. And with each person he passed, he got hungrier and hungrier until he realized he was thirsting for their blood. He saw a bad guy breaking into a bank and thought it was a good opportunity, so he dragged the bad guy into an alley and quenched his thirst. 
It's then that Morpheus realized the morbidity that he was a vampire. He changed his name to Morbius and started a new life and mostly only killed bad guys. What he never found out and never knew was that he was still in the Matrix and he was the one and he was infected with nanites to thirst after the life force of everything the machines held dear and that he would one day single-handedly liberate Zion once and for all. The end. <laughs> wow. I did not have time to super research Morbius. <laughs> okay, well, wait, wait till you hear mine because my lack of research <laughs> is part of my story. Um, no, I liked it. I liked the fact that there was also the crossover into like a different, uh, uh, New York because I also have a multiverse element in mine. Uh, mine is titled going bat in the matrix. <laughs> Dr. Michael Morbius has a problem and it's that his movie is apparently not very good. I mean, when people complain about the mid and post credit sequences, you know, you're in trouble. So here's our protagonist, a living vampire, trying to keep his spirits up while reading lots of negative early reviews. And one day, while doing his best to, you know, do vampire and stuff, while not thinking about the score of his film on Rotten Tomatoes, he notices weird things in the world around him. Uh, sometimes he sees bats, but they're flying backward. Or the same black cat just keeps on going past him over and over and over again. It's almost like, almost like he's seeing little glitches. And it's on one of those days when a bunch of goons sent by Doctor Who are after him uh, because Matt Smith is in uh, Morbius. Oh, anyway, yeah, I, I follow. Uh, okay. A bunch of Who goons are after him. So he ducks into a cave <laughs> and he comes across something unusual in the cave because it's like a phone, you know, like an old fashioned telephone complete with a wire that goes into the cave wall and the phone's ringing. So, you know, he picks it up because that's what you do with these old phones. You pick them up and on the other end, he hears a voice. Listen carefully, says the voice. You have a choice to make. You can either run out of that cave right now, dash into the woods, follow the path that leads to a cliff's edge and leap off. Or you could be caught. That doesn't sound like much of a choice, says Morbius, but he can hear that the Who goons are closing in on him. So resisting the urge to ask who the heck is on the phone or how the heck the phone got into a cave, he just hangs up and runs out of the cave. And he does so just as the goons happen to be looking the other way, so his escape is unnoticed at first. And he plunges into the woods, immediately spotting a path with his heightened vampire senses, which I assume he has, but I don't know because I haven't seen the movie. And he runs down the path, and in the distance, he can hear that the goons have figured out he's not in the cave. The path leads him to a cliff's edge, just as the voice on the phone had said. And he runs right up to the edge, and then he stops himself, teetering, debating about this. And the bottom of the cliff is nothing but jagged rocks and brush, but he can hear the goons organizing in the distance. So he backs up a few paces, takes a moment to steady himself. Maybe he takes a breath, but I don't know, because he's a vampire. So maybe he doesn't <laughs> breathe, but he's a living vampire. So maybe he does. And anyway, he takes a running leap off the edge and he leaps out pretty far. And we see this happen in slow motion probably blurry slow motion based on the reviews I've read. And I bet there's some really bad CGI mixed in there too. And then there's this weird shimmering effect as the arc of his jump leads to him falling and he vanishes in midair with a weird digital flash effect. Morbius finds himself falling a short distance to a perfectly white floor, which knocks the breath out of him, unless he doesn't breathe, in which case it doesn't. Anyway, he gets up and he looks around and he's in this featureless white void of a room, but part of the white void splits open. It's, it's actually a door that's opening up and into this white expanse steps a man dressed all in black with black sunglasses and a cool haircut. Hello, Morbius, says the man. My name is Mio. Neo, sorry, got confused. And he pauses as if this is supposed to mean something to Morbius, but Morbius is clearly not in the loop here. Okay, never mind the Neo stuff. Long-winded philosophical monologues were never my bag. We need you, Morbius, says Neo. We, says Morbius. Well, the Earth, humans, like everyone. Whoa, we need you. We've had, let's call it a recent opening in our ranks, and we could use someone of your particular abilities on our side, says Neo. I'm still not following, says Morbius. Well, of course you're not. I'll try to explain. Uh, there are numerous realities, all existing very close to one another, but not quite touching. Yours is the one that recently folded onto another reality, says Neo. 
Oh, right, says Morbius. I bet that's what at least one of my credit sequences covers, but I'm not about to give spoilers here, so I can't say for certain, but um, seems like a pretty good bet. Our reality, this reality, is another one, says Neo, one that doesn't quite intersect with yours. But here, in this reality, things are complicated. Well, things are pretty complicated back home, too, says Morbius, who doesn't quite seem to believe the spiel he's hearing. Indeed, says Neo. Here, most of humanity is caught in a virtual simulation of reality created by a network of machines that use human bodies as a source of energy. Well, see, that just doesn't make sense, says Morbius. I mean, when you factor into how much energy you need in order to keep a human alive, the net output that you're bound to get is going going to be less than what you're putting in there just to, you know, support the person. So you're actually operating at a net loss from an energy standpoint. And even if you could get a net positive, humans would be a really bad choice because they'd be likely to resist this. It would literally make more sense to just wipe out humanity and, you know, use your uh, energy source with, uh, I don't know, cows. Because you could just create like a virtual reality of a field for cows and you'd be fine. Yeah, okay, sure, there's enough room to criticize both of our worlds in this mashup, says Neo. But what I'm really getting at is that a small group of humans have broken free of the simulation, the Matrix, if you will. And we are attempting to either free everybody else, all of humanity, or just strike up a ceasefire with the machine so that a few of us can live in peace. It really depends upon which movie in the series you're pulling from. Gotcha, says Morbius. And you're hoping I can help. Well, that's it in a nutshell. So you got a choice. And then Neo turns and there's a table with two beakers of liquid in it. Drink the blue blood and you go back to your world where you're hated and hunted. Drink the red blood and you'll see how deep the rabbit hole goes. And Morbius looks at the beakers, both of which are filled with red blood. Um, (laughs) blue blood? Yeah, says Neo. One of these is filled with aristocratic blood. I actually don't know which is which, <laughs> but we have to eat the rich. And Morbius says, so, so this is like a coin flip situation here, huh? And Neo says, yeah, I hadn't really thought this out. I should have at least put a label on it or something. So then Morbius, just wanting to get out of this conversation, picks up a beaker and guzzles it down. And his eyes go all glowy and we see CGI smoke effects and stuff. And then he's still there. Ah, must have been the red blood, says Morbius, and Neo sighs in relief. And then we get a crazy montage of Morbius getting kitted out in cool Matrix gear, like a leather vampire outfit and branded sunglasses, which will totally sell his merchandise once this movie launches. And we see Morbius getting an upload of all the different fighting styles and stuff. That makes him way more effective. And then we get this super cool movie where Morbius does all these crazy effects-heavy action sequences one after another, and in the end, it looks like the humans have won at least a battle, if not the war, because we can't actually end the story here. So it's just like they, they look like they made a little bit of incremental progress, and then we get it. Morbius looks to Neo and says, Hey, hang on. If I'm not from this reality, then... This body I'm in is actually my physical form. It's not a virtual representation of me because I don't have a computer connection in my spine that you can use to upload me to the Matrix. So there was actually no way for me to learn all that stuff or even access the Matrix in the first place. What gives? And Neo says, uh, credits. post credit scene. It's me (laughs) as director saying, I am here to apologize for what you just saw. I know it wasn't good. You know it wasn't good. But hey, chances are it's still better than Morbius. The end. Heard. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, that was hilarious. I that's the movie I want to watch. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, you know me at this point. Mashups are really just an excuse for me to rant about movies for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So, complete honestly, I'm probably complete complete honesty. I'm probably going to actually watch Morbius, but I'm gonna wait till it's free on some streaming service I already own, and I've got nothing else to do. Unless one of you all reach out and make us watch it. Um. Yeah. Don't don't do that. Don't make us watch it. I 
Look, I still haven't seen either of the Venom movies. I have no interest in the Sony part of the the MCU multiverse. Apart from I liked the first the Spider-Man one. films. I don't know. It just uh I think it I think I just can't get past the idea of the character Venom not having a connection to Spider-Man. Like that still just drives mm-hmm. me nuts. He looks like Spider-Man, but yeah. there's no connection to Spider-Man and there's no explanation as to why he looks kind of like Spider-Man. So I know it's yeah, that's it, my that's my burden. I I get it. I, it's on me. I thought I was going to have that that issue as well, but I didn't. I liked I liked the first one. I thought it was a solid, fun, entertaining movie. I haven't seen the second one. I didn't hear as many good reviews about the second one, and the ones I heard about the first one were mixed. So, I'm not going to like pressure you to watch it. But I I thought uh, the first Venom was a fun use of my lazy afternoon. Uh, if I ever find myself with nothing left on my list, then I'll definitely consider checking it out before I play some computer games or something. But yeah, I, uh, I, based upon what I've read about Morbius, I just feel like, I feel like I don't want to give that movie any money because I don't want to invite more of it. I, I understand that. Um, and I'm not super excited about Craven. Um, although I, I am excited about some of the other characters that might pull over. Um, yeah, but if you're excited about Morbius or have a way that you'd want to work Mobius into our Morbius Morpheus uh, mashup, you should write us and tell us. Yes, you can send us an email. The email address for the show is lnc at iheartmedia.com. Yes, you can also reach out to us on social media, on Instagram and f- f- Facebook. We are Large and Drunk Collider, and on Twitter, we are LNC underscore podcast. I'm sorry I can't talk today, everybody. <laughs> until next time, I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I have been Ariel, I'm a bat, casting. The Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. The show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.